0: As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games. As we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows and ever in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Lee May, current writer at Prideful Sloth and at Five Lives. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Lee, how are you?
1: Uh, I am fantastic Well, how are you?
0: Very well, keeping yourself busy?
1: Uh, yes, yes I am, I am working far too hard, I'm um, lonesome here in the study, uh, so yeah, pretty busy. It's the
0: way to be, there's always something to be done, awesome projects to be working on, and we're going to delve into them, and you're going to spoil all of them, break a million NDAs in this episode I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Hopefully not, but yeah, we'll <laughs> see how we go. <laughs>
0: Um, but this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from all around the industry. They've walked a whole bunch of different lives, got lots of different stories to tell. And in this episode, we're hoping to get into the nitty gritties of yours. And as we learn a little bit about what you've been through in this industry so far. Mm. So I guess we should probably begin because we always begin well before the, the time in the industry actually begins with some of your first gaming experiences. Um, what were some of those like? What, what sort of games were you playing? When, when you uh, first got exposed to games, I suppose.
1: My, like my the earliest game that I remember seeing was a um, one of those uh, table arcade machines of Pac-Man oh, yeah. as a kid, um, and I was completely obsessed with it. Uh, and that kind of followed through to I remember I had cousins. I'm like the youngest grandson of a million grandsons, um, and I had older cousins that had like you know, uh, like, Bubble Bobble on their um, computers good at home. Point. Yeah, and I think, like, I've been obsessed with that game ever since, right? Like, when I saw that for the first time at age three and thought that was kind of the pinnacle of technology. Um, uh, but my... we've come the, away since, but... Yeah, look, I mean, they... Tito just it's still pretty cool out, now. It's still pretty yeah, cool now. They, they put out a, a remake of it on the Switch, like... Five months ago, which is apparently quite good. So, uh, you know, you, you can't get beat back those into classics. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the first console that I had was a Sega Master System. A friend of mine brought one in when I was eight to school as like show and tell. Yep. And, um, you know, I mean, that was like the less popular option uh, at the time. But uh, I'm I'm all about supporting those underdogs, and so I spent a lot of time justifying my my Sega years as a as a young lad, um, which so... is someone
0: on who was on the other side of the fence. I would say was a really hard thing to successfully do, just, <laughs> justifying the Sega's existence. You know, that's, that's just me throwing dirt, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But well, I really loved it. Um, and you know, like it, no, it there some, some good really... games on there. Yeah, it had some some real classics that are just sort of exclusive to that, like uh, you know that, that remake of of uh, Wonder Boy in Wants to Land. like yeah. that that still like completely holds up, which is amazing. It shouldn't by uh, by but no metric Some of these that things game... do, yeah should that should that be good but uh like i I was obsessed with that as a kid i loved sonic the hedgehog and then i really got into um like adventure games like the secret of monkey island i think was one of the first that i really got into and that has shaped my life ever since i think that that game wormed its way into my brain and uh and reconfigured me permanently
0: were you one of those just uh, focusing on the the Sonic side of things? Were you one of those that uh, boldly proclaimed that Sonic was a was a better platformer or better character than the little Italian plumber?
1: Or, uh, I think I was fairly open minded as a kid uh, for that. Oh, you're so better than sure. I was then.
0: <laughs> or maybe, or maybe am based on that dirt slinging from a few minutes ago. Yeah,
1: seriously, <laughs> get over it, man. <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> won that one. It's it's fine. Um, no, I I was. Uh, like I, I, think I just liked all video games as a kid, yeah. uh, and so, like I, I, love the Super Mario games. They, because they're they're very different to Sonic. Like Sonic oh, is poles is, apart. Is is cool and you know lurid, <laughs> um, but like Mario is more of a classic, and I think yeah. you know is is more accessible and does more interesting things ultimately. Uh, and is yeah is far more successful as a mascot certainly than uh, than, than I mean, Sonic. The,
0: the recent movie is helping to to maybe boost Sonic's profile again.
1: Sure, but uh, there's apparently a, a good like twenty five years of really terrible games that they have to make oh, yeah. up for. So yeah, um, they, they're going to have to be a fair few sequels before they really redeem that character. <laughs>
0: he's hoping i mean throw yeah. <laughs> my, my dirt slinging aside it's, it'd be great to see sonic and 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 other you know big uh, sega ip kind of putting up a putting up a good fight to the stuff that nintendo's been putting out there and i mean nintendo's been dominating for decades so it'd be yeah. good to see sega and sonic get back up there
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, Sega is still a very successful publisher, and I think that yeah, yeah. if anything, their output recently has been, you know, the best that it's been in years. Um, particularly, like with stuff with like the Yakuza games, like that series, yeah. I'm just obsessed with. Uh, and if they just keep making those games forever, I will pretty much put them over everyone else as a publisher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good thing if they if they can. Uh, I, I assume they still own Skies of Arcadia. If they can do something with that, that'd be great.
1: That would be good, yes. Yeah, I mean, they, they have so much really good IP in the backlog there. Um, nothing to put it on, obviously, but uh, Just <laughs> okay. waiting to be tapped,
0: though. So he's yeah. hoping they do that. So yeah. how did your tastes kind of develop from there? So obviously, you know, we're talking early um, Master System and all those sorts of games there and the Sonics, mm. but how did your tastes kind of develop? Were there any particular uh, genres or anything like that that you started to latch on to?
1: I really got into... Um, I think uh, around the kind of Lucasarts golden age, um, you know, you are talking like uh, Full Throttle and Salmon and Max and Day of The Tentacle. That was that was when I kind of assumed like this, this here, the adventure game is the this is the peak of entertainment we've finally done it we've we've managed to make the interactive movie and uh all other art is irrelevant um
0: can't get better than this
1: no that was it that was it like this is what we'll all be doing forever and they uh, will <laughs> never stop making these and they'll always be this good uh one of probably a, a number of poor predictions on my part as to where the industry was going um but that kind of influenced it's a, a wonderful thing yeah yeah that, that that kind of thing i really like i loved um sort of narrative games I love games that were a lot about you know dialogue and banter from there I got into RPGs um, but I'm also the, like the
0: western side or the Japanese side bit of both
1: like the first one that I played was Shining Force 2 which was a master okay. system um, you know I loved that I love that series uh, but I, you know when like fallout came out um, that game kind of like chained Probably me to wife. yeah that was that was me playing western rpgs predominantly for the rest of my life um i loved that like baldur's gate was amazing planescape torment is still one of my favorite games uh all of all of those um that's that's kind of my bread and butter but uh, at the same time like you know when i got my first pc which was a, a penium 100 uh when i was like 14 yeah. uh you know i was obsessed with like Doom and Warcraft Two and Command and Conquer and all of that stuff. Uh, that like sort of mid to late uh, '90s PC era is probably the uh, the thing that like when when my tastes perfectly solidify uh, in a few more years, that's what will be my nostalgia forever.
0: So, out of interest, and this is you know not necessarily relevant to your career, but you're obviously talking about the the fallouts and those sorts of games of that era. What, Focusing on Fallout specifically, um, how did the transition from that old-school Fallout formula click with you when kind of Bethesda took the reins and we saw the likes of Fallout 3, New Vegas, 4, the less said about 76, the better? <laughs> um, but, the you know, the the modern kind of take on Fallout, how did that kind of... Did you feel like things translated quite well or did, you know is there that something missing? What did you think about that when the change was made?
1: Look, when the third one came out, I think I was really open to anyone doing anything with that franchise right um you just want to uh, see more of it yeah yeah and i mean interplay had you know collapsed in uh, into dishonor essentially um and at that point bethesda was still you know riding high off you know morrowind was still great um oblivion had come out and that was i mean that's cool um yes 100 percent uh i i generally you know apart from their their weird you know publishing practices and the treatment of the press i I have like pretty good feelings about bethesda and their output in general i'm quite forgiving of you know a lot of people are it's very cool to hang shit on skyrim but like it's skyrim it's great it's it's just pure power
0: games of maybe all time but certainly the last decade
1: yeah, so I, I was actually okay with them. I mean, I was probably initially, you know, concerned about the transition to third person, but uh, I, I think Fallout 3 is, is pretty solid. Like, New Vegas obviously was, like, proof that actually something had gotten lost in in the the shift over to a new studio, but, like, Obsidian, you know, nailed it with their version yes. of, of that game. Uh, and... I like I never finished Fallout 4, but I'm sure I have at least 100 and something hours into it Ooh. before I kind of just got tired and decided I didn't want to make the the final like forced moral decision that you have to make in that game. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, look, the amount of time that I put into it means that I, I certainly see some value in it. Uh, I wish that they were making good Fallout games again. It doesn't seem like that's Let's the case so. yet, but but you know we'll see.
0: I mean, the, the the brilliant Fallout 5 might be just stuck a little bit in the queue behind Elder Scrolls and... and the space uh, what, one. Uh, yeah, I've what just is, gone blank on the name. Um, yeah. It escapes you right now. I'm sure it'll yes. pop up at some point and we'll drop it out of nowhere, but... Um, just fix it in a post, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, so uh, was, there a particular, was there a particular game or anything like that that kind of triggered an interest in getting into the actual development scene at all or was it something you kind of fell into? How, how, I... did, um, how did that kind of decision to pursue the game's development path kind of begin?
1: Uh, I mean, I'd always wanted to do it, but I'd always... I don't know why. I'd always assumed that it was something that I, I wouldn't pursue directly. It didn't seem like a thing that a When I was a kid and when I was in high school, like, humans didn't make video games, I think was yes. kind, of, kind of it. Um, or it was just, that happens in America... Um, And so it wasn't something that I pursued directly, even though I always wanted to and spent, I I mean, I, I trained to be an animator and part of that was because I was just drawing constantly as a kid and was always like inventing video games and drawing, you know, UI screens and stuff like that for, for platformers and, you know, based on characters that I had drawn. So it was always like, my instinct was always to want to make games and tell stories and you yeah. know tell stories through games but i fell into it in the most absurd way possible i've i've had people a couple of times ask me like how i got into games and how they can do the same thing and like you can you can cut at least 15 years off my journey into games easily now like there's a uh, this the speed run to getting to where i am uh is, is like just so much better than the the path that i took um where i like learned to be a, a 2d animator uh just as the industry transitioned over into 3d and then i spent like 10 years in the public service for the department of education answering like correspondence uh which taught me like to be patient and how to write um and then somewhere in there i got invited to contribute to a radio show about games just because i knew Uh, people is is that right yes yeah yeah so that's a it's a brisbane-based radio program um that had just started up like 10 years ago and they were after some more contributors and i was around i was a freelance graphic designer at the time on a Nice yep. grant so i had just all this time on my hands that i was using so badly um <laughs> and so i was able to contribute i was you know watching the 3 a.m uh, e3 shows and coming in to talk to talk about them um and like writing reviews my first review for them was for uh, alpha protocol right oh Which, very uh, good game yeah yeah like i mean criminally there's,
0: underappreciated
1: there's a really good game in there and i was i'm pretty certain i was very kind to it uh but i don't know whether i'd have the patience to go back anymore
0: well yeah that probably <laughs> another one of those hindsight things i guess
1: yeah now, yeah you
0: did mention there obviously that you kind of for a for a period, anyway, had this association with well, games are made in America and presumably, by extension, Japan. Was yep. there was there ever a consideration during that period that, well, okay, maybe I'll I'll back up and I'll move to America and give it a go. Like, was that something that kind of um, entered the mind, or were you purely thinking, okay, no, that's that's not that's not achievable for me for when for where I am? Then
1: I think, like, um, yeah, I think that was always going to be the plan, right? That um, you know, I would get my my education, and then go and, you know, apply my craft in America or elsewhere. Um, But uh, doing badly at it and being like, poorly motivated and lazy um, is a magnificent uh, means of keeping a person in a country. Um, (laughs) So, so that that never really eventuated. Um, So I just kind of, you know, hung around here, being a human being uh, for a while. Until I, I sort of fell into the the role that I'm in now. I had when I just started with Defiant, and I, you know, been over there for three different trade shows maybe in you know the yeah. space of five months. I was talking to an uncle that Christmas about my you know cool new job, and he's like, you know, does this mean that uh, you'll want to move over to America permanently? And I was just like, fuck no, no, not at all. Um, like that was. That was like end of 2016, um, yeah. And okay. Things have changed
0: a lot at that point.
1: Yeah, uh, it it had, oh, yeah, it was, yeah, end of 2016. It was just I had already seen just how awful that country like just treats its average <laughs> humans, and things have only gotten worse Restened. in the yeah. So, I hope I never have to go to the states for for work. Um, it seems like a bleak place unless you're extraordinarily rich.
0: Yeah. And even then, if, you, if you've if you got uh, half a conscience, then you're probably going to realize that even with all that money, it's still quite bleak.
1: That's it. Yes. Yeah. I, I,
0: at the I same time, the like industry it. has changed so much that it does allow you to be able to, you know, and, and many others obviously to develop now out of Australia, which just was a thing that, for a long time there was not feasible for various reasons, whether we're talking about the, the financial crisis of, uh, you know, what was that now, a decade plus ago? Yeah, yeah. Kind of the the collapse within the local scene. But, you know, even prior to that, it was just, it wasn't easy to to get started and to be successful out mm. of here. Um, so there's there's plenty of, you know, reasons why I could see you doubting whether that would be possible. Um, and I'm thrilled to see, obviously, that you stuck with it and you've, you've forged a, a, a great career so far, but... Um, I could totally understand how, yeah, there'd be be those doubts early on.
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, Oh, obviously. And, like, seeing the industry go through a a series of collapses um, does sort of make one question, you know, one's future in it. Um, But fortunately... uh, you know, fingers crossed. Things seem okay for now. I just have to stretch this out for another 30 years, and uh, should be <laughs> That's fine. That's right. I'll
0: get you back on the show, and we'll have far more to talk about when the time comes as well. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yes.
0: But how did that transition? So we're talking about you know uh, being on the radio show and and some of the reviews and those sort of things. Uh, how did that begin to transition into your work with Defiant and and actually getting involved in the development side of side uh, of the industry?
1: So I really wanted to because it was, it's community radio, uh, and I really wanted to draw attention to the Brisbane game scene, um, because, you know, a lot of the, the press are located uh, in the southern states, uh, and Brisbane was doing some really interesting things. Uh, so we got heavily invested and started, like, going to a lot of the events and a lot of the meetups and stuff, so I made a ton of contacts locally. Um, so that really kind of helped me, but I, I wasn't actually expecting that that's what it was leading towards i um had uh been sort of doing some tiny little creative collaborations with a friend of mine or a couple of friends for ages and we were asked to um by a a third party that we knew was trying to put together a uh the idea was that there would be like a kind of um a content farm for a sydney-based studio that had an engine and didn't have a particularly strong design team. And so they wanted us to, you know, work up IP that they could then take and develop into games. So we put together a thing and started working on that. Um, And so that kind of got me into this mindset that, oh, maybe I could be a game designer um, because I've been, you know, I've been critiquing them for 10 years. Does that mean that I have learned anything? And yes and no is of the answer time. there. <laughs> but um, so we started working on that. Uh, that was like two years of fruitlessly trying to get this thing up and running. And uh, yeah. in in trying to get it up, we were, uh, we were seeking very specific grant funding that asked us to build a a portfolio of, of mentors within the local industry and so i went to uh people like dan vote who was sort of ex-half brick, yep. um uh john passfield who was you know an australian legend you know worked on um you know halloween harry and um you know fly the amazon queen things things like that um you know sort of learned from him went to see morgan jaffet uh and yep. dan treble at defiant um uh tons of other I guess people at that point that
0: was the foot in the door with them was that
1: yeah they, they knew me and knew yeah, that okay. i had interesting ideas uh as a result of that um and like then what happened was that that whole endeavor collapsed completely <laughs> and i was like you know, I'd, I'd quit my job to focus on this thing. Cause I was like, I've got a runway of like, you know, six months worth of, you know, being able to work on this on what I had. Uh, and apparently funding is right around the corner. Uh, and it wasn't. And so I was like <laughs> working for, uh, the office of my, my then girlfriend's, um, mother. I was her, uh, um, right. her, her secretary. Um, and, uh, i just i saw that defiant put this post up for a community manager and uh, like i knew uh i knew the you know a bunch of people on the team i'd interviewed a heap of them for you know uh, various reasons Uh, i knew kim the producer Uh, i was good mates with her i knew morgan and dan and i realized like looking at the um you know this job description that i could actually piece together something appropriate based on the last 10 years of odd jobs and things yeah i'd imagine done.
0: some of the the education department stuff and the communications through that i guess would have been a really helpful aspect i suppose
1: yeah yes um and and it sort of surprised me that i had found a job uh you know like that i could apply for and and not feel like i was wasting everyone's time and i loved defiant like i was a huge fan of Ski Safari, uh, which was one of their earlier mobile titles. Yep. I was obsessed with that. Um, the first Hand of Fate, I saw that I at, at the first PAX and it was like the coolest thing that I had seen at, you know, PAX Oz in 2012, was yep. it?
0: Uh, and Seems I was, about right off the top of my head, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I backed that, um, you know, on Kickstarter yep. and... So, I, you know, I put together an application and sent it off. And I figured I, I knew the other people in the local industry that would have been up for that job. And I figured I was better than all but one of them. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and then I, I think she decided not to go for it, so it worked out really well for. There's me, your but...
0: runway then. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so they, they gave me the call while I was uh, I was at work on a day when um, my boss was out. So I was just in the office, just in my civilian clothes. Which on so that say day, if the boss is to out. Be...
0: That's feet up on the desk. That's phone in hand. Oh yeah. Absolutely everything bar doing the work you're supposed to be doing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I was filing or something, but
0: I I dream of that luxury.
1: Yeah, um, but I <laughs> I took this call from Kim and she's like, "Are you able to come in for an interview uh, at Defiant today?" And I was like, "Of course, I've you know I can come in for lunch. That's all good." And I hung up the phone and I looked down and I realized that I was wearing my hand of fate like Kickstarter backer shirt. Oh, really? And and I had to go directly to their office for this interview. And so I'm, like, frantically sending Kim this message, like, I need you to know that this isn't me, like, putting on a bit. This isn't, like, some, you know, desperate attempt to impress you guys. Sucking up. This this is just the outfit that I was wearing today. Um... Make of this what you will. Uh, did, did you give many details, or was it kind
0: of at that point left to her imagination? As to, oh my god, what is this guy going to be wearing when he shows up?
1: <laughs> no, no, I just I was like, look, I'm wearing my hand of fate shirt, but you have to oh, understand, okay, um, <laughs> this is this is purely by accident. Um, so I, I, were...
0: ima- I imagine a scenario where you didn't quite specify that level of detail, and it's very open ended, <laughs> ambiguous sort of comment, and then she's uh, like, Kim is just sitting there going. What what, are, what what am I in for here? And there's these images starting to pop in the head of yeah, you and God knows what.
1: Kim has quite a vivid imagination as well, too. So, I mean, it, it could have been anything that she would have assumed I was wearing. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so they, I don't know, I, I impressed them. I had, you know, some sort of joie de vivre that they appreciated and managed to get my start there, you know. Um, running the forums and the social media accounts and responding to emails, as they kind of wrapped up their support of Hand of Fate One and started working. Oh, they've been working on Hand of Fate Two, but they'd they'd only just announced it then. So, yep. uh, so I was there for pretty much the um, you know the, the, the public acknowledgement of that game's existence.
0: But then, of course, yeah. So, as you, as you said, Hand of Fate Two was in the early stages at that point. Uh, and comms was not the only thing that you got involved with. So you started to dabble in a little bit of design and some writing. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had been. Um, what did I? How did this start? I wanted to put together a Twitter campaign to get people interested in our uh, open no our, our like closed beta test that we were doing, and I thought that I would like run a hand of fate like thing uh through our twitter account uh where i would post like you know 10 tweets that were telling a story and then put a poll at the end of that and so there'd be one of those every night and the you know people would go from there and i think that was impressive enough that people sort of realized that i could uh i could at least kind of ape the house style Um, yeah okay and from there uh the the previous games had gone off to just some local like university copy editor uh to be copy edited at the appropriate time uh but dan treble the uh technical director was just like well we'll just get lee to do it he's right there we already know he can he can write you've got the skill set yeah um we'll just you know chuck a build of the game on his pc and he can do it in-house um and so it was it was just it was that easy um so then suddenly i'm doing the editing and the punch-up writing on hand of fate 2 so um there's i think like 200-ish, 200 ish 200000 ish words or something like that in the game it's a, a yeah it's it's a massive Maybe. Massive, massive amount of text. So, I was also tasked with like trying to cut it down as much as possible because I had what,
0: been... So, if it's two hundred thousand now,
1: oh yeah, was, it was, <laughs> it's it's about I think it's about half the size of what it was. Oh when... wow, yeah,
0: yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Uh, so, you know, I started doing that, and then I was, you know, I was trying to be you know, hearing as closely to the text as possible, but then I started noticing, you know, continuity issues and things of that nature because I was the only person at that point who had read the entire game. We had...
0: Oh, yeah, you know, okay, everyone else seeing vertical slices? That's it.
1: We had, I think, like five or six different designers working uh, and writing for the game at that time. Um, and they all had slightly different writing styles and things that they were interested in. Um, and it all kind of had to be brought... And to line and so um if it seems like it's you know only written by one person then i had i have done my job um and i think i think i did an okay job there uh making that all sort of land nicely in the, in the house style but yeah I, I sort of started doing that and then eventually they um brought me under the design team for the dlc yeah properly and so yeah, I I was a designer there for the last year and a half, two years of the um, of defiance existence.
0: So when it comes to some of the design stuff, what was it that you were? What, as you mentioned before, like they you know saw you as someone who had a few different skills and a few different ideas. You um you'd made that clear at different periods. Uh, so what sort of things did you bring to that DLC in particular? Uh,
1: so the first thing that I did um was I uh, did a bunch of Variant uh, stories for the um, uh, the the endless mode. We had like yep. sort of framing stories for them, but we only had one for each of the um, the, the the different suits. Uh, so I went through and added a bunch of additional versions, one or two of each one, and sort of expanded upon the um, the, the the randomization of locations and boss names and things like that to make them a bit more. Uh, dynamic Uh, even though it was all just you know it was it was RNG cheats to make it seem like you know different things were happening but I I sort of started there um, and then um, I was having breakfast every morning with the lead designer uh, Cade Franklin who was frustrated with a number of things that the the combat system had launched with and he and I started talking about things that we would, we would change. And this was, this was while I was just on comms, actually, okay. before I'd been brought onto the design team. Um, and uh, he, yeah, was really quite like, uh, generous and, and receptive to you know, allowing me to you know, have some input into that. And so between the two of us, we kind of spearheaded this multi-pronged like, combat overhaul And, um, you know, like I'd been playing a ton of, you know, third person games or a bunch of things that I was obsessed with the Arkham series because they're really, really good. Um,
0: As everyone was. Yeah. yeah. It's hoping to be still Coen Warner Brothers.
1: Yeah. Fingers crossed (laughs) for another one of those. So, you know, I'd and and of course I'd also been showcasing the game for like a year and a half and had seen in a way that the rest of the design team, the things that actually like frustrated and affected players as they were coming to terms with this combat engine. And so we were kind of able to massage that a bit and make it a bit more forgiving and also add a few like cool new abilities and stuff to the kind of core arsenal that the players had. Um, So that was a thing that somehow I became associated with was like melee combat and... Uh, being the person that knew to cut all of their adverbs, that was uh, <laughs> that was my yeah, forte, okay. yeah. um, which is a weird skill set as the the office wordsmith and the guy that was really into like extreme violence. Um, but I'll It's a, it's I'll take a balancing it. act.
0: <laughs> yes. So um, obviously, yeah, you, you mentioned before, and we'll we'll kind of delve into it in a little bit more detail. There was the um, the studio kind of closure that comes along, but you were involved in the DLC and I have to, I have to throw this in here. And this is the first time that I've ever accepted a question from anyone else. Um, Maybe, maybe you know where this is going. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, A friend of the show, my editor for the website, Matt Hewson. uh, He (laughs) he had a chat to me before we, we had this conversation and he demanded that I ask Mm -hmm. uh, why you didn't create Hoff of fate. (laughs) <laughs> um, and he suggested that the the closure is actually on you for that not being a thing. Ah, um, right. Well, but uh, he he demanded that I kind of ask that question somehow. So if you can uh, clarify for Matt why that wasn't a thing, it seems to me quite obvious to me, but he seems to be not be so sure.
1: Thanks, thanks, Matt. That's great. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I mean. You know, maybe that was something that we tried to shop around uh, to a number of publishers, and they all refused, and uh, that's what led to the the closure. It's hard to see why. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he loves driving me crazy. You know, regardless of whether it's on my personal Twitter account or the Defiant official one.
0: Just any Uh, opportunity.
1: Yep, with with that. And uh, honestly, it's not as good a joke as he thinks. Um,
0: No, no, it's not. was unsure as to whether I even go with it, whether I just make my own podcast look horrific as a result. But, and I think I have. So, Matt, thanks. Thanks for that. Yep. Um, but segueing away from that, I mean, at the end of that, like Matt was one of the, as far as I'm concerned, one of the really big proponents out there, really kind of threw a lot of well, any of his time and energy into supporting the game. Mm-hmm. Um he was a big, big lover of it, and obviously it was always a feature of the Player Two marathons and all those yep. sorts of things. And 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 you guys were very supportive of us in that regard uh, mm-hmm. with some codes to be able to give away. And there was there was a lot of love for Hand of Fate through the whole Player Two team. So um, and obviously the sequel. So there's uh well there's a lot of support coming both ways. I think there. But.
1: Yeah. Look, and and you know we we really loved Player Two. You guys, you know the matt wrote that really lovely article um after the closure of the studio as well yes you know we really appreciated uh and i i I genuinely enjoyed interacting with him in a professional manner and being able to support him with with codes and and stuff for the uh for his marathon because like one it's a cool thing to get behind um and yeah i mean we were it was always defiance um mandate that you know we had had this success and it was you know important for us to try and use that that success and that influence you know to to you know elevate others um so i was really more just sort of following on the uh the um you know w- what had already been established by yeah. by morgan and dan uh, they, and were, they were they continue to build on that yeah, yeah, they were hugely supportive of the, the Brisbane game scene and the Australian game scene in general. And, you know, even with the closure of the studio, I am sure that that will perpetuate into the future too.
0: Oh, I have no doubt about it. Hmm. Now, there was one more project that was that was in development before the closure, and it was one that I personally, when, when that kind of emerged amidst the news of the closure, um, I think maybe... Even further heightened, I guess my my uh, devastation, disappointment that uh, things had kind of gone the way they had. Uh, a world in my attic. Yep. Um. There's a little trail that was put out for it. Mm-hmm. Um. It blew, blew me away when I saw it there. What was what was the general idea? What was your involvement with uh, with the project? But what was kind of the general idea, and where where was that project headed? I suppose.
1: Uh, yeah it was uh, it was an amazing project to be a part of even you know even though it, it only you know got as far as it did. Um, uh, and so I was you know on the design team, I was working on um, a bunch of stuff across the development of it. There was a period there actually um, where because of a series of weird events, I was the only designer working on that game because oh, okay. Um, it was just, yeah, it was me and Morgan riffing for like two weeks, and potentially far too much stuff got resolved during that period um, <laughs> that may have affected the design, <laughs> but yeah. uh, um, the, uh, the gist of it was that it was kind of the, the next step in, in the, the Hand of Fate concept, right? It wasn't a Hand of Fate yeah. specific game, but, but whereas yeah so the, the idea was that um it was our open world take on that idea where yeah, okay. you had a bunch of settlers of Catan style tiles and each yep. tile had a different uh terrain on it um and you would at the start of a session arrange those to create a little tiny world that would then procedurally construct itself into uh, uh, you know a, a massive open world that you would then go into and and quest in and the arrangement of the tiles as well as the tokens that you placed on those tiles would change the kinds of things that were happening in the environment the kinds of npcs you would encounter and so there's a game where you would be finding new things by arranging tiles but also finding solutions to to quests by rearranging them in ways that were yeah, okay. you know more amenable to the outcome um in the same way that like hand of fate had that similar thing with um you know the the scenarios that we had in both yeah. games and you would build a deck to deal with those here you would build a world to resolve the the plot thread that you had already encountered Yeah, uh,
0: okay, really interesting
1: yeah so i'd worked uh on that on uh, i was sort of support on our combat uh, side with with Cade, I'd worked on establishing the the basic rules under which our, our quests operated, um, yeah. and I established the uh, just a bunch of game flow things as well. The idea that you would actually be you know building worlds to solve narrative puzzles was kind of um, came out That's of a, a bunch of cool conversations. Yeah. Um, But uh, we had, there was such a a talented team working across that, you know, um, uh, Courtney Palaszczuk is, you know, this designer who was working with us, who'd been on, you know, with Defiant since the start, and his pedigree goes all the way back to um, destroy all humans. And so, like he had solved all of the problems that we had encountered a decade ago and was able to just it's like a
0: handy resource to have on the team
1: yeah yeah he was he was brilliant um all of the character was sort of coming directly from um anna who is uh one of the um the more uh, recognizable writers across the hand of fate series who is yeah. now with uh, a44 working on whatever they're doing to follow up um uh, Ashen with, so that's uh, that's very exciting. Which
0: is an exciting premise, yeah. That uh, that one would be exciting to see where that that project project heads. Mm. So, how did it affect you? So, the at this point, obviously, the game's in the game's in development. The I assume at some point there's there's a degree of there's writing on the wall. Okay, I think this is going to happen. Um, how does that begin to affect you uh, when when you're kind of seeing what's what's about to happen here and um, and you know there's this project that presumably you and everyone else are kind of in love with Mm -hmm. um and you can kind of see that maybe this is not going to work out how does that kind of hit you how do you process all of that
1: well i mean we had been operating i think everyone um was under the assumption that you know there were there were a few deals that were in the in the works um that never quite came together um but uh we uh we the we were working on that game up until the day that we found out that defiant was shutting down and yeah, okay. and then from that point we were no longer working on the game right so it was we went in on a wednesday morning i was doing uh, a motion capture for a boss encounter with our junior animator that morning i was you know doing a big reveal as a big sort of gargoyle thing in front of a set of uh connect cameras that we had so we were doing that really like cheap but uh great for prototyping mocap setup uh i did that and then i was like you know so you'll clean this up i'm going to have a design meeting in 20 minutes uh, when i come back out we'll, we'll hook everything up and see how it works and then instead of doing our department meetings we had a you know whole team meeting where we found out that we had run out of money, uh, and so we were all having to be let go.
0: And so, did you see anything coming at all, or did, was that kind of a bit of a blindside for you and some of the others as well?
1: Uh, no. Um, and I
0: don't, I don't, I don't mean blindside in like a really nasty sense, but you know, no, 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 no we just didn't uh, see it coming at all.
1: No, no, we none of us saw it coming. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. I think it was, you know, fairly fresh in the minds of the management team as well. Um, like they may have known for a day or two beforehand, as yeah. they worked out what their options were. And when they determined that, you know, I mean, most game devs, you know, when when their studios shut down, the the traditional way that they shut down is that the money just runs out, and then everyone is screwed, right? Um, so yeah. Uh, Defiant instead decided that it would, uh, you know, pay everyone their entitlements. So we were all actually as, you know, taken care of as, as well as they possibly could. Yeah. Um, and Which is uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone harbors uh, any kind of ill will towards management because it was, yeah, this was the, the nicest retrenchment i've i've ever experienced
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> hoping you don't have to face that ever again i might add but
1: yeah yeah fingers crossed um and i mean the worst part was that uh well no the worst part was all of it but i do remember like you know i was getting breakfast with with my you know my breakfast buddies the next morning and they were all like well now you you're absolutely a real game dev because you've uh, you've finally seen a studio shut down so i'm like great yeah okay <laughs>
0: And how do you process that? And you're like, oh yeah, great sarcasm.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, purely sarcasm, right? That's uh, that's my defense mechanism for everything. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. a so little that's...
0: side note out of all that, I'm I'm glad to know where all the Kinect sensors went to. By the way.
1: Yeah, we had all of them. We also had all of the um, uh, the the PlayStation Plus, uh, move oh, the... the move controls. Oh, yeah um which which is really depressing because like now tons now they are they were they cost nothing when we were getting them and and I really want them um, because I not have to
0: keep the the studio afloat just sell all those all those moves all those connects and you'd be laughing
1: I'm, I'm sure they considered it
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I guess in the, the, the days, weeks and months since so like how like, how do you, how do you begin to process that? Because it is, I guess it would you know be a very challenging thing and you've, you've kind of been riding a bit of a high end for you personally, you're, you've, you've transitioned somewhat from you, from your communication side. You're now starting to dip your toes into the development. And mm. this is the, you know, at this point, the first project that you are involved design wise from, from basically it's inception. Yep. Um, and then all of a sudden it's kind of taken away from you. How do you, how do you. Sort through that in your mind.
1: It was really difficult um, because, I mean, the, the other thing was that being um, you know the comms guy, I had uh, you know defiant was part of my identity in a in a big way. Then I was one of those public faces, um, and to detach myself from it forcibly was was really rough. Um, yeah so it was it's cold turkey yeah yeah it was a real a real like struggle to figure out like what you know what what kind of you know person i i was after that what kind of place i had in the game scene afterwards um and you know i had also kind of the the softest design skills out of everyone on the team and so for a lot of people it was much easier for them to um go get work elsewhere i you know i I also had a mortgage uh and a a wife and and a dog in brisbane so i wasn't really you know interested in in relocating so that was kind of off the cards as well um and it was a bad time for a flood of really talented game devs to end up in the the local scene looking for work um, so it was it was really difficult. There were a couple of months there where I just you know wasn't really sure whether I would be sticking around in games. I was wasn't really sure whether I'd be going to um, you know PAX last year Yeah, okay. because I was like you know am I going to you know have to spruik myself um, you know what what kind of future is there for me in this industry yeah. um, and that was you know it was a, a, a difficult thing. Um, fortunately, Pax is as welcoming as it always is, and uh, oh, for sure. And you know, I had nothing but you know support from the the local scene, and people were. I mean, obviously, also everyone was very excited to get the inside scoop on what, what really went down, which oh, yeah,
0: okay. Made so how, how many times did you have to tell that story?
1: Oh my goodness, so many times, just <laughs> just so many times. <laughs> but does that does that in in
0: and of itself do a bit of a number on you as well, having to kind of dredge these things back up?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it sucked. Um, and sorry, I'm I'm
0: literally kind of getting you to do it right now. But
1: <laughs> yeah, like I mean, now it's fine, right? Like I'm 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 working. It's all good. Uh, yeah, I've I've got future games lined up. It's it's okay. But uh, like, yeah, at the time it was. I mean, I also enjoy telling stories, and I enjoy telling well-honed ones. So, like, that's that's good. But it was, it is, it is a wrench. Um, uh, but you know, I was also desperately trying to, you know, garner sympathy from people who might have been able to hook me up with future gigs. Oh yeah, so. okay. just <laughs> pl-
0: playing the emotional card as well. Yeah, we we I mean, out the sob story. Had, to, to, had an to
1: work every angle I could, right? <laughs>
0: I mean we've got to play the game sometimes, right?
1: Yeah. Let me tell you though, uh one hundred percent fruitless. That's, that's Oh, hard. okay, right. I um yeah no I pitched to a bunch of people but then that week I came home and like there were two offers from local dev so that that was that was fine um but yeah look I mean it was it was very difficult it still you know is I think about that project I think about the work that went into it the fact that it was a game that like I still think should exist and I hope that it one you know someone in the future decides that that's actually a concept worth investigating again um yeah. because yeah it was really cool and it was amazing to be a part of that you know so early on and to help shape a project of that nature with with a team of of that talent with a kind of pedigree for for storytelling that that everyone else had there it was it was wonderful to be a part of that
0: I mean, maybe there's some fantastic uh, series of events in the future that results in the band getting back together and and the magic can kind of resume. You yeah, just pick up where you left off.
1: I hope so. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are fairly scattered, but um, like both of the the companies, I can say who I'm working for. I think that's that's probably okay. Well,
0: well, I know that you know doing a bit of digging, pre, uh, you know, pre hour chat today I, I did see prideful sloth was listed as someone that you've been working with lately
1: yes yes uh, so the team
0: responsible for yonder uh, yeah. so you're clearly working on yonder 2 over <laughs>
1: yonder <laughs> nice try yeah. uh i cannot tell you anything about the project uh,
0: I, I just i that, that was just a little kind of play on words that sprung to mind you can you can work on whatever you want i just needed to get one that one out there that's my yeah, matthewson uh, bad of, joke moment
1: of course of course um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm working with those guys. I've been friends with uh, with that team for for ages. Um, so Yonder, I mean Yonder is a, an amazing game, it's and fantastic. I saw the first public version of that. I would say maybe like seven or eight years ago, maybe more. Oh yeah, okay, right. Because they, you know, they they just moved back to Australia and Brisbane. It was a team of people who'd worked. Um, like, Joel was on – he he worked with Rocksteady in the UK, and John was – oh, God, I can't remember what he's on. And Cheryl – so it was John, Cheryl, and, and Joel were the, the sort of core team on that. And yeah. so they had come home, and they were showing it at this little tiny university event that I was covering for the radio. Um, yeah, okay. And – and God, I mean it, it looks amazing and it looked that good back then. And I couldn't believe that three people working out of Brisbane together were producing this that. this astounding thing and they were like, Listen, you cannot talk about this <laughs> because we were trying to get a publisher. But as soon as yeah, we okay. as soon as we get that sorted, you can talk to us. So, you know, we'll we'll come on, we're very excited about it. And then I saw them again like a year or two later at the second packs and they were like they were just at a social event and they're like we still cannot talk to you about this game i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> we feel so bad about it it's this
0: this growing building mystery at this point. <laughs> yeah yeah that um,
1: point. and then eventually um i was on my way to the PlayStation experience with Hand of Fate Uh, 2 and Cheryl was showing Yonder there and we were on the same flight and we were just hanging out in in LA together because uh, I was there with my producer, Kim Allum, uh, who was she is cool and I am, I would say, no longer as cool as I would like to be. And so she would be, like, hanging out with all of these, like, rad nordic devs having like rad pool parties and cheryl and i would just be like all right well we're going to get a sensible dinner and uh <laughs> sit quietly <laughs> and be old together and so um yeah that's how we became friends and uh yeah she had I guess been waiting for the the right opportunity and the, the right project to get me to help out so I've been I've been doing a bunch of writing uh for That's them writing if I was them... about
0: to ask what capacity it is whether you're even allowed to say what capacity it was that you're working with them but so you're doing some writing
1: Yes, yes, I am writing a lot of words for them, and it is a lot of fun. We're
0: talking 200,000 again, similar to How to Fate?
1: Probably not not quite that many. No, actually, that
0: probably even says maybe too much. I won't won't push you on that one.
1: Yes, that's that's fair. Um, So, yes, working with them, also working uh, with uh, Five Lives. um, Yeah, okay. Who were responsible for satellite rain uh, and you know a bunch of industry vets um, working on a new thing with them, which is really really cool. And one day I'll similar be- similar in... capacity or uh, yes, words again. Um, <laughs> lots of lots of hey, words. If you I... if you if you're
0: good at them or good at writing them, yeah, why not Leading to those strengths?
1: I I worked out today that I must have doubled their um, their localization bill though because uh, <laughs> they they asked me to write a certain amount of things, and I was like, no, no, I'll do all of this, and so, sorry, guys. Uh- <laughs> it's ballooning out of control. Yep, yep. That was that was the repressed words that I had to keep out of Hand of Fate coming to, to light. Ah,
0: oh, yes, okay, it's all just, you know, bulging out at this particular point. Hmm. Um, so you're obviously still based in, in Queensland and what, what do you kind of make of the scene up there at the moment? I, I, as you kind of discussed before, obviously there's a lot of media concentration and, and even concentration of development in the southern states, mm-hmm. um, but Queensland itself is is still producing some really high quality titles. Um, what's it like for you kind of looking out, you know, looking out the window, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and, you know, seeing some of the, the wonderful work that's going on from other teams and people within the state?
1: Um, it's... It's hugely invigorating I mean, I've been following the Brisbane scene For, you know, ten years I have so many friends who've made games um, You know, that I'm Very close to the uh, yep. um, Assault Android Cactus guys uh, Which being yes. I've known them for Eight or nine years now um,
0: Still on my to-do list to tap someone on the shoulder And get them on board, actually so
1: Oh yeah, you, you really <laughs> should, yes I'll, have to, I'll um, have to do
0: that, there's some incredibly talented people there
1: Yeah, uh yeah, I, I was going to recommend people, but like everyone associated with that brand is amazing, and yeah. they all have the best stories. Uh, interview all of them. <laughs> okay, they're done. Let's we'll we'll just send this audio their way. We'll extract that little
0: segment and we'll just say Lee told you all of you need to come on board. Great. Yep. Done. Yes. Perfect.
1: Yeah, you you must. they they would wonderful. not
0: complain in the slightest as as you said, they are they're fantastic.
1: Yeah. They're they're so good. And they worked on everything. Like the Jeff Van Dyke, the music guy, he did the audio for Skitchen, which is yep. you know, like that was Road Rash, but skateboards on the Mega Drive.
0: <laughs> Which, these, I mean, I, I don't know how many of our listeners, listeners are familiar with that one, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a deep cut.
1: That's a very deep cut, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so they're cool. Um, the... Disparity games people, which is you know Ninja Pizza Girl, and they also help out yep. with with Prideble. I like I love them to pieces. They're all amazingly talented and wonderful. I cannot wait to see what they're working on. Um, uh, the Screw Tape team. Um, yeah, with
0: damsel. And-
1: yes, yeah, Meg, Meg, and Anthony. Um, like they're they're amazing. I introduced them to their their concept artist Thor. Actually, he was he was my housemate, so. Uh, nice. That's that's a, a good connection to have. Um, oh, for sure. But I mean, these are all now they're all established people who have games that are on consoles. Um, yeah. What's really cool is that there are people coming after them who I am only vaguely aware of. You know, there's yeah. there's it's a the next
0: wave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a there's a whole wave of these like cool student devs who have got a completely different industry ahead of them to look at you know they they were people who probably saw what defiant was doing as aspirational i know they emailed me fairly yep. regularly looking for intern work um but now they've got to figure out you know how to do that on their own um and fortunately there's there's a screen uh, industry body there that you know maybe has no really idea supportive. how to. yeah they, they want to support them they have no idea how to give them money yet um yeah, so okay. they they make it very difficult, but uh, they're um, you know they they really want to do good work, which is which is nice, and that's at least what you want out of out of a, a state body. Um, they're and very if
0: they need a writer, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they've got you capable of churning out hundreds of thousands of words at a time. So exactly, they, or or
1: reducing them as needed.
0: Well, yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, think, I think one of the great things that I've kind of observed and you've, you've kind of highlighted that just mentioning some of the teams along the way is the fact that that, that Queensland, Brisbane, whichever aspect, you know, that scene is, is growing, it's solidifying, it's getting stronger, the, the depth of talent seems to be getting greater and greater and greater. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you highlight that best when you're talking about this next generation that's starting to come through as well
1: yeah um i mean beyond brisbane there's also a bunch of really interesting people here as well um you know people that i'm only vaguely aware of because like i know that their uh their games are huge and yet they don't you know they just keep to themselves like the uh yeah. it the raft like those guys are queensland oh yes yeah. that's one of the biggest games on steam like regularly uh it's it's nuts. And they're like a handful of Queenslanders that no one knows. It's the best. Yeah, they just heads down, bum up and keep yeah. working. Yeah. Um so like that's that's the other thing that surprises me as well. Um like Dust Force, Dust Force was just like, you know, four dudes in a shed that had uh, you know, finished up at, at quantum and wanted to make a game inspired yeah. by um, the movement from Smash Brothers. Like there's a a bunch of people in sheds Making cool games in Queensland, which is which is very exciting, and there's almost a way for them to get money now, which is even better.
0: Yeah, you know, once I think once that door opens as well, it's just going to free people up so much more as well. And the, you mm. presume the quality of the the titles that are coming out of the state gets greater again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting position to see the industry as well because. Uh, a lot of the indies you know the, the companies that i think of as indies in australia are now people who are all you know they, they have publishing deals lined up because they've reached yeah. the point where you know they, they've grown in a way that you know defiant did as well um when our ambitions you know for the next project grew um you know they've they've sort of swelled to these massive, what I think of as massive teams when I say like, yep. you know, 15 to 20 people um, and now they have publisher support. So I think Australia is in a position where we are kind of recreating that like that double A boom from the PlayStation yeah, 2 and like ex- original Xbox era, right? Where you can you can pay a smallish team a reasonable amount of money and and you'll get a really good product out of it yeah yeah like it's not going to be hundreds of hours of game but it doesn't need to be and that's no
0: absolutely i mean um and you know not the you know queensland based team but you think about what team cherry did with uh, hollow Knight, and that's still one of the most acclaimed games of you know the last half a dozen years anyway and um yeah I mean, there's those guys are
1: powerhouses.
0: I guess <laughs> we, if we, we technically maybe bundle them in that that double A sort of thing there, but they're, and I know these definitions are airy fairy and rubbish, but sure. what they're really creating is very tippy top level, you know, calibre as you can expect from any studio anywhere in the world, no matter the budget. So yeah, it's, yeah. there's some incredible titles coming out of this mm. country.
1: I think, like, I mean, yeah, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Hollow Knight is really. I mean, th- those guys are a, an amazing anomaly, right? Um, yeah. You, you shouldn't have, like, four people produce a product, like, that good, that lands so perfectly. That's, it's, I think they have a genie or something. Um, and <laughs> 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 like, they're, they're
0: doing it so consistently, like, Silk Songs, looking amazing as well. And...
1: Yeah, yeah, I... They can that's, just that share
0: mean, that, that knowledge, that'd be great.
1: <laughs> they really and they love to keep to themselves as well. That's
0: Yep. That's I've heard the best that. part.
1: Yeah. They just just make their games, presumably in a castle somewhere in <laughs> in South Australia.
0: <laughs> Tell nobody and keep it to themselves. But you know, and then on top of that you get and you know, global phenomenons like what House House achieved. That's, yep. What this scene is doing and, and you know, Queensland is is we've got these little highlighted projects around, this, uh, around the country. And I mean, I'm Victorian and Victoria has a, has a great kind of system in place there that's really supporting a lot of developers. But to, to think that the marketing or the, sorry, the, the teams in Queensland haven't even really hit their peak potential yet bodes really well as well because there's so many teams out there with so much talent. And with that little bit of extra support, like you're talking about, whether it's financial or, or whatever, things are, Australia's a little powerhouse already and it's only going to, it's only going to get better
1: yeah look we've we've long punched well above our weight as a, as a games industry and i mean melbourne and victoria have a model that works really really well uh, yep. it's something that i would love to see more states adopting uh, screen queensland has sort of built kind of a, a shared working space incubator space um similar, similar to the arcade function. yeah uh, it's it's not quite the same model and i think it's maybe not yeah, they don't quite have the the, the marketing know-how that that yeah, um, okay. the arcade has that really helps them leverage that brand but it's only a matter of time before they get someone who God really don't want it to be me uh, anyone else can do that <laughs> <laughs> would be great but, but uh, yeah um, you know stuff's been set up in uh south australia under a similar mandate uh uh, i know uh, v pendergust was doing great work in in wa establishing another grants program um it would be really really cool if if every state in australia like to begin with had really solid um you know funding and support for the games industry and then eventually i guess it would be great if we toppled the government and were able to get federal support as well
0: yes yeah, there's the, there's that whole layer that continues to cause an issue, but mm. let, let's hope we can cross our fingers and hope. That's it. Uh, yeah, I was I was really fascinated to listen to that because obviously, you being a part of the local scene and um observing a state that is as we as we've discussed still really up and coming, it's it's a great perspective to bring to any discussion around the local the local development scene. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. As we start to to wind a few things down here, um. There's nothing I assume you can say about those those two projects that you're working on. Uh, so let's let's just kind of keep the, keep those in the vault, everyone, and look forward to seeing uh, what Lee is is doing with both teams over the course of the next months and years. Um, but as we as we start to kind of wind down, who who is it out there that kind of inspires you and in your work in the industry? Are there particular people that you've you've looked up to um, that you maybe try to model your approach to development or writing or whatever on?
1: yeah um there's there's a bunch of devs that i'm you know uh, they see as as being role models um i you know being a massive fan of classic LucasArts, i really admire ron gilbert and then also like yep. tim schafer double fine has been a, a wonderful wonderful producer of incredible games and just, like, good vibes as well. It seems like a cool place, and I'm glad it exists. I love everything that they do. Um, but locally, I mean, the creative director and game runner at, uh, at Defiant, um, Morgan Jaffet, yeah. uh, I mean, is an amazing writer, was always, like, better at everything that I was doing. But just didn't have the time to do it, and yeah, okay. <laughs> and so my role at Defiant, a lot of the time, was just to be his stunt double, right? Like, all oh, right, okay. Anytime there was, you know, some sort of engagement or event or something that he didn't want to do, he would just sort of send the proxy him in in his place. But <laughs> he he has been, you know, a, a really, you know, a, a great friend and a real good inspiration, and. Uh, a a massive jerk online as well pretty regularly but uh <laughs> but you were essentially his
0: 25th or 26th hour in the day is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at?
1: Yes, yes, that's it. He was uh messaging me to abuse me about a a game that I had recommended recently. Um all right, but uh, I won't I won't get into that. But but yeah, um you know, he's uh, an incredible talent who is sort of done a bunch of stuff that i really really like and would happily sort of learn how to do um when i found out like when i first met him to talk about um you know hand of fate on the radio he also mentioned or no um jody mcgregor who is now in melbourne for a pc gamer and has been a you know yep. he's a, an amazing journalist he was on the radio with me years ago and he brought up the fact that morgan was the writer on freedom force which um All right. Like, that game is great.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I, absolutely.
1: I, I adore that. Uh, and I'm pretty certain that my delight over, over that discovery is somehow probably, you know, on one of several hundred hours worth of, of podcast audio that exists somewhere. Uh, I really should have done my research prior to that, but um, but I, I love that. And I, I would love to sort of see, uh, I can say like, they, it's been publicly announced. So they're working on a uh, a new superhero game. Um, uh, Morgan and a bunch of other like ex-defiant people. Yeah. Um, they've got some Screen Queensland funding. It seems like it's going to be really really cool. I cannot wait to see that. And it's it's exciting to see him writing superhero stuff again because he's really good at it. Even it's though sweet. he he uh, he has this like. Uh, you know, old school goth necromancer kind of vibe, but yep. he's also a massive, massive fan for Cape Comics. So, should be should be cool to see what that what that does next.
0: I'm definitely looking forward to it. Hmm. Have there been any particularly valuable lessons you've picked up along the way? Any kind of really valuable insights that you've that someone's shared with you that have really kind of stuck with you and maybe help inform some of the decisions you make uh, in your writing or whether it was in the communication side or any a- some of the design, any aspect of your time in the career,
1: yeah, um, like the com side, I think uh, like Morgan always said that you know we kill them with kindness, which uh, he had a particularly malicious grin when he said it, um, but but also this very very because of the
0: kill them component, I
1: assume, yeah, or... yeah, but this yeah. very very <laughs> gentle tone as well, um, but like that that really did. Stick with me, which is that at no point should you ever, when you are, you know, doing comms like that, you should never escalate conflicts. You should, you know, either, you should first be understanding because people are, if they're mad, that means they care, right? Yes. And if you can get to that core and then turn that back around to them understanding that you are simply a human being, then you can, you can diffuse a lot of conflict um
0: yeah you're halfway there straight away
1: yeah yeah um but then like if it if if they don't respond well to that then you just nix it you know at the bud and don't don't ever like rise to responding in, yeah. in you know the same tone because it just it just looks ugly it never achieves anything um yes you just end up you know, making things worse for, for everyone. So that's kind of well, a thing that I learned early on and it I will carry that with me everywhere. I think it, it's it's really good. Well,
0: you know, it is one of those things where like that person is more often than not kind of anonymous in a lot of respects, mm-hmm. whereas anything that kind of you or represents the brand in any way do, um, well, that, that mud sticks.
1: Yeah, so. yes, exactly. And I mean, one of the, the other things that, like comes out of that is that, you know, when, when they make that first, like, you know, very, very angry post or whatever it is, you know, because they're frustrated by something, it's generally because, you know, they're, they're very mad at something that has been a solitary pursuit. And their assumption is that they are screaming into the void, right? And the, the minute that you're like, Hey, I'm on the other side of this. And I'm sorry that, you know, that sounds like that sucks, they they mellow out yeah 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 because they're like oh oh i'm i'm sorry i i've had this problem um and it's something that i've experienced as well right like you you know just tweet you know mad into the void i i did it i did it got it yep. uh i was complaining about the first chapter of uh, of the well, ragnar tornquist's um longest journey episodic games that he put out oh okay yeah and I was like tweeting to probably three hundred people who weren't paying attention to what I was saying, and Ragnar tonquist hopped into my man, my mentions, and he was like, oh, "We worked very hard on that, you know, and I think you'll find." And I was like, "Ah, jeez, okay." Oh damn it! I yeah. did exactly that thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was years before, but I've I now that was yeah i i now understand that you can't say anything about a game that just launched without expecting that someone is looking directly at what you're saying uh yeah. so, so be aware that if you if you don't actually want to upset the people who made it maybe i'll,
0: I'll keep that one in the back of my mind <laughs> next time there's a bit of bile in here and I, i'll just get rid of it someplace else yeah
1: yeah just say it out loud <laughs> yeah you know, i'll
0: the students can ignore what it is that is i've got to say and yeah we'll, we'll move on from there but <laughs> that's it. um but what about what about from the actual development side of things whether it was your writing or some of the design work was there anything that you really picked up along the way there that um that's been really useful
1: yeah um i uh or
0: challenges you faced
1: there was there was quite a bit i mean i you know joining this established design team uh, as a person who didn't have that as a you know an educational background and not everyone did but a lot of them had sort yeah. of gone through and you know done it as a as part of their their education that I, I lacked some of the the practice that they had but learning underneath a lot of those people getting a sense of you know like what the what the the value in a good design document is things of that nature how to actually communicate your ideas to programming teams into art so that like they can one they're enthused by it they can you know understand what's actually important to you and then they can start solving those problems for you like that sort of thing is is really important um and i had just you know the the best mentors there around me to teach me how to do that as well as the rest of the teams that i was dealing with our programmers were uh you know incredibly sympathetic uh and patient and so um you know, they they did whatever I said as well. The poor fools. Rookie <laughs> <laughs> mistake. I know. Why did they do that? But but yeah. Um, so much of, of game dev, particularly design, is, is all about being able to communicate and being able to, you know, communicate your passions to people in a way that they resonate with the you know the the receiver. And yeah. so. Um, Yeah, like that's learning how to do that in a way that is in a language that those different skill sets can can understand is is really valuable. Um, Yeah, great. Yeah. Mm. So
0: uh, any particular highlights that stick out to you? Any, you know, that, that bad day at work that you need something to kind of pick you up and you can think back fondly upon... Uh, Moment X, anything that really sticks with you?
1: Yeah, a launch
0: of Hand of Fate two, perhaps because you were obviously a part of that at that point.
1: Yeah, I mean that was that was great. Being a part of the um, the Kickstarter for the board game as well, the board game I did a bunch yep. of a bunch of writing on um, early on. Uh, that was very exciting. I really loved the team that that put that together. Um, and having a thing that I think that still actually is the record holder for, like, uh, Australian board game Kickstarters, it might not be Games oh, Project right. Kickstarters anymore, but we were about, I think we were, we were about $10,000 short of exactly half a million, so... Um, it's Morgan a, did That's br- an impressive figure Yeah yeah Morgan did bring that up He was like He was very disappointed That we hadn't hit Half a million And, and blamed that on <laughs> me but, but that's fine
0: When you get close You do see this big number you're like Oh Oh like, <laughs> Oh find myself doing that all the time with podcast numbers yeah i
1: can have it oh, exactly yeah i mean we were aiming for thirty thousand, so i feel that you know the success of that project was well in excess of that by at least two or three hundred dollars um yeah actually g- g- given that then uh, morgan just take it easy yeah, <laughs> yeah be grateful so that was that was yeah. wonderful um going along to uh my first like packs as an exhibitor was in yep. seattle um and that was just uh it's an amazing show because it's it's four days uh it's a cool city everyone goes to that one um and i made so many wonderful connections through uh being a part of that event uh and then being a part of the events that surround that which i really can't talk about because it incriminates a lot of people but uh fair enough that's but but yeah i have pax parties yeah i have a a ton of friends as a result of pax um i went to the like the the game awards the uh the jeff Keeley hosted oh, yeah, okay. ones uh the year that um uh it was that the that's right Kajima was there actually um for that oh, i
0: had the the one where he was welcomed back and got his got his uh, career achievement award would that be
1: that one yes yes it was that one so it was there it was um uh run the jewels performed that was that was yeah, sweet okay. um there was the uh the, the the doom theme was performed live
0: oh yeah okay so we're, yeah we're talking 2016
1: yeah. 17 yes was, yeah yeah it was that was that was really cool it was a very like rad thing to to go and attend and i was i was there in the crowd like you know being very excited because i was like oh, there's, there's zoe quinn over there and it's like you know i'm I, i'm a
0: very yeah, the school kid with the big lit up eyes and
1: yeah yeah there's a i remember god like 20 years ago there was a, a penny arcade comic where um uh the the protagonists see greg kassavan who at the time was just like the editor of of was a game spot i think uh before before yeah. he before he left and um and made uh you know bastion and all of those games but uh like there's a game where like a, a comic where they're obsessed because they like they've, they've made rookie cards for Greg Kaslifen and it's very exciting for this like very specific celebrity sighting and that's how I am with game devs that I've I've long admired you know I'm like yeah. you know and I, I did have a freak out when I saw Greg Cassavin. Um, so uh, my celebrities are people that no one else thinks are famous uh, and so no, being
0: but, um, that's they they're perfectly good choices as far as I'm concerned
1: <laughs> yeah so being being in the audience for that was was really really rad uh, it would be nice to, you know, be nominated. We, uh, we haven't, but uh, friends have, and I'm sure they had a really good time. You know, it's only a to... matter of time. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't worry about that. The <laughs> time, is, your time is coming. Especially, <laughs> I mean, the the Aussies are just dominating the whole indie scene when it comes to the game awards, anyway. So it's <laughs> only a matter of time. Statistically speaking, it's going to happen very soon,
1: surely. That's true. That's true. And Probably. you're writing for
0: all of the good games, so yeah, you're going to get in. That's it. Based, based on that, if nothing else.
1: That's it. <laughs> That's it. Twenty. 2020 2021 these are my years probably i don't know when anything's releasing
0: (laughs) yeah i I won't i won't read too much into that comment um (laughs) so as we wrap things up uh if you could be credited for anything uh any game that has ever existed you can retroactively add your name to the credits (laughs) what game would it be in in any capacity too. hell it can be special thanks if that's what you want
1: oh geez um Okay, uh, which
0: could mean, for example, you could just go and insert your name, special thanks, in a Kojima game, and then you're getting a special thank you from Hideo
1: <laughs> That would be that would be nice and weird to, to be one of yeah, his friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, what I would like actually is I would like to be one of the people who ends up as a weird Steve Purcell portrait in the background of like Monkey Island Two or Day of the Tentacle oh, yeah, okay, or good. something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want.
0: Um, the, those games where like, it couldn't get any better than that. Yeah, exactly. Those, yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> when the industry peaked. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And then continue to do it again and again and again.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah.
0: fa- fantastic choice. Um, I mean, I yeah, th- we touched on them before, but I've got a great love for a lot of those games of that era as well. They're mm. fantastic titles. And for all, yes, okay, the, the technology and the the things we're doing with the games have, have changed significantly. They still really hold up
1: they do as they far do. as i'm concerned yeah yeah i was playing uh, the new one by uh, size five games uh the dan and ben lair of the clockwork god and it yep. man it is a really solid continuation of that that pedigree i don't think anyone oh, else fantastic has come close to like nailing the tone as well but yeah they've they've absorbed them in a way that i thought i only had so well done well done those guys so
0: Lee, thank you very much for for coming aboard and, and sharing your story. Um, there's there's far more still to tell. Uh, once you're actually able to talk about some of these titles, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll have to have another chat at some point. We can do a little chapter two um, of one of these. But it's been fantastic to to learn about your story today, to learn about your various experiences, and and also get a little bit of um, your take on where where things are heading within the local scene because. As we discussed before, it's it's really growing, and you're a part of it. And I mean that that only serves the local scene well for you to be involved, as far as I'm concerned. So um, I'm looking forward to everything that you continue to do. Thank you so much, Paul. it an absolute pleasure to be a part of this. I should also probably visit uh, the social side of things. So, Lee, if uh, if people are looking to uh, see what you're up to, uh, stalk you on Twitter, so they can learn about what games you're working on, or or just talk games anything with you talk about uh whatever you like really uh where would they be best to go uh
1: yeah twitter is generally the 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 place where i am perpetually trapped so (laughs) i am at new underscore waster uh i I can't explain you know no one can explain their twitter handle but that's me n e w underscore w a s t e r um that's that's generally yeah how you find me so be sure to reach out to lee there um
0: don't ask him about Hoff of Fate, especially I'm talking to you there, Matt. Yep. Um, none of that. You're wasting your time. Um, if you want it, go out and make it yourself. Um, but other, like, as I said, yeah, thank you very much for for coming aboard and sharing your story. It's it's been really fascinating to hear uh, all of the, what you've had to say and yeah, get those insights into the local industry. Really appreciate it. So Thank you very much, mate. No, yeah, thank you. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at PaulJamesGames on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Lee's story. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next time.